This sermon is brought to you by Shofar Christian Church. We hope that you will be blessed by this message. Our audio and video sermons are also available on Shofar TV to download and share. Good morning, church. Lovely to have you all here. You will have noticed that um, I didn't get an introduction this morning. And I love it. Eh? For the first time, I finally feel at home. Eh? Like I'm no longer a guest speaker in my own church. Awesome. Just a old piece of furniture now. Lovely. The future is looking bright. So this morning, I want to take us back to the beginning. So not the beginning of time, not the actual beginning, just the beginning of you and the beginning of me. So I think, I hope some of you know how that happens. If not, I'm going to, I'm going to just outline it for you, detail it for you. Okay. Let's go. Mommy loves daddy. And daddy really loves mommy. No, 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 you don't get it. Daddy really, he really loves me. Like, you can, you can see it. One night, mommy didn't have a headache. And daddy sure did love mommy. In those, uh, two and a half magical minutes, uh, a process is, is, is set about where the greatest miracle that the world has ever seen takes place. A single cell begins the process of division into two, four, eight, sixteen, thirty-two. My math stops there, so I'm stopping there. But all these cells begin to divide at sixty-four. Thanks, Danny. Um, all these cells begin to divide and, and, and carry different different things. They begin to form into into different things. And over the course of of nine months. Those, those cells start to, to make skin and make bone uh, and, and blood and, and organs and eyes and, and limbs and hair and, and fingernails. And even more amazingly, they develop in the right places in the body. So uh, can I just say that while I was looking for, for this uh, illustration of, a, of what's happening in the, in the womb over, over nine months, I, I came across this other picture. Apparently, at some point in the first trimester, this is what we, well, I, I, don't, I know I didn't look like this, but you guys, at some point in the first trimester, looked like this. Okay, all along, we've been arguing with the evolutionists that we didn't evolve from monkeys, and we were right. We evolved from dinosaurs. <laughs> kind of explains why my youngest runs around the house roaring a lot. Anyway, okay, back to, back to the body and, and the cells. So think for me just about your skull for a minute. Every, every, cell, every cell comes together and forms this dome-like shape that, the, that the fits in the brain, that fits the brain in just right. And, and the fact that the, the cells on the left form the bones that perfectly mirror those on the right. And what about the fact that you have two holes in your skull where your eyes come through in just the right place? And the fact that those eyes are being formed by completely different cells to the ones forming the bone. And the, let's not forget the fact that this whole structure, this whole unit, finds its way nodding sagely on top of your neck and your spine. 
instead of, let's say, coming out of your hip. The human body is so incredible and that, that, I, that I've just got to give us a whole bunch of facts this morning. So I've prepared some, some did-you-know style facts about the human body uh, for you to enjoy this morning. Okay, so let's start with those cells. We have on average 37 trillion cells in the body, billions, which, billions of which are regenerating daily. Babies are born with 300 bones, which later as we grow into, into adults becomes 206 bones through a process of natural fusing like the baby's head and so on. One quarter of all those bones are found in our feet. 50% of your hand strength comes from that little guy. Just your pinky alone, 50% of your hand strings come from there, and you thought he wasn't important. While awake, your brain produces roughly 25 watts of electricity. That's enough to power a small light bulb. Our nerves carry information to and from our brains at a speed of around about 400 kilometers an hour. If you smoothed out the wrinkles in your brain and laid them flat, they would be the size of a pillowcase. Doesn't specify what size pillowcase. I'm claiming a continental. Some of you are a scatter cushion at best. The left lung is 10% smaller than the right lung to allow just enough space for the heart. Those same lungs have a surface area of 70 square meters. In one year, a human heart can pump enough blood to fill two Olympic swimming pools. If all the blood vessels in the human body were laid end to end, they would encircle the entire earth four times. Your mouth produces about one liter of saliva each day. That's enough to fill two swimming pools in a lifetime. Bet you want to swim right now. In camera terms, the human eye is able, of cap- is, is able to capture an image at 576 megapixels. As well as every human being living dead and to come, having unique fingerprints, we also have unique tongue prints. I don't know about you, but I'm really happy that they don't know that down at home affairs. Can you imagine? Oh, sorry, sir, the machine for the finger is broken. But you can just put a tongue here. No, you can just lick it. And put a piece of paper. Uh. But must be in the block, yeah, boy? Okay, I've got a few more. The adult skin is our largest organ, weighs up to three to four kgs. A large amount of the dust in your homes is actually those dead skin cells. We shed about 600,000 particles of skin every hour. An average-sized man eats about 33 tons of food in his life. That's roughly six full-grown adult elephants. Okay, I know what you're thinking. Please give that guy on stage another couple elephants. Thank you. Thanks for your concern. Finally, it is impossible to breathe and to swallow at the same time. Go ahead. I'll wait. Hope you enjoy that mouthful of dead skin cells, by the way. Now, with all these almost unfathomable facts about the human body fresh in our minds... I want us to go to the Bible and have a look at the scripture that I know many of you know I'm going. And that's the one where Paul compares the church body to that of this incredible thing, the human body. I'm reading from 1 Corinthians 12, uh, verses 12 to 20. 
I'm using the Passion Translation. Uh, I hope you don't mind that. Um, I've checked it. It's okay. I know not many people are too excited about the Passion Translation, but I just think it's, a, it's so beautiful. Uh, you're welcome to compare. Please read uh, any version you would like. But we're going to go with this one. Just as the human body is one, though it has many parts that together form one body, so too is Christ. For by one spirit we were all immersed and mingled into one single body. And no matter our status, whether we are Jews or non-Jews, oppressed, oppressed or free, we are all privileged to drink deeply of the same Holy Spirit. There's the Passion Translation coming through there. In fact, the human body is not one single part, but rather many parts mingled into one. So if the foot were to say, since I am not a hand, I am not a part of the body, it's forgetting that it is still a vital part of the body. And if the ear were to say, since I am not an eye, I am not really part of the body, it is forgetting that it is still an important part of the body. Think of it this way. If the whole body were just an eyeball, how could it hear sounds? And if the whole body were just an ear, how could it smell different fragrances? But God has carefully designed each member and placed it in the body to function as he desires. The diversity is required, for if the body consisted of one single part, there wouldn't be a body at all. So now we see that there are many different parts and functions, but one body. So Paul is saying a lot here about about the members of the body and, and their functions, but I want to start by looking at the fact that he actually chooses to compare the church, the body of Christ, to that of the human body. Because for me, something is a little bit wrong there. I think few can deny that the human body is an incredibly mind-blowing organism, a well-oiled machine. But can the same be said for the body of Christ? I'm not so sure. Can few deny, regardless of race, creed, and religion, that the, the Christian body is this incredible organism, mind-blowing in its, in its structure and its efficacy? I'm not sure. But is that to say that the parallel that Paul is drawing between these two bodies is incorrect? I also don't think so. Aside from these awe-inducing facts about the human body, it has its flaws. Does the human body let us down? Yep. Can the human body succumb to sickness and disease? You bet. Can the human body ultimately give up in an environment that's too toxic for it? Seen that one with my own eyes. The body is fragile. Sounds a bit like the church now, doesn't it? But the body can also achieve what few could ever dream possible. We're pushing that year on year as a, as a human species. We're pushing what we can do year on year. Just go watch a People Are Awesome montage on YouTube. You're bound to see someone flying in a wingsuit at 160 kilometers an hour. Just launched himself off a mountain. He's now meters above uh, the foothills. Just two years ago, the record in the marathon distance was broken by Kenyan Eliud Kipchoge. Now, he holds the official record at 2.01 at the Berlin Marathon. Um, but he, there's been a series of, of projects trying to break the two-hour barrier um, in the marathon distance. And he finally did it in October 2019. It's an unofficial record because he had a bit of support um, and paces and, and, and a bunch of things. And it was perfect conditions. Um, but the fact is that a human being broke the two-hour barrier. He ran at an average of 248 
and two, between 248 and 252 a kilometer for 42 kilometers. There are few of us in this room who can hang on to that pace for just a single kilometer. Honey, what can you do? Eh? 28 minute 10k? Can you, can you do it? I think you can manage that, but I, I'm not sure you can do it for 42 k's. Incredible human feat. There's been advances in, in medicine and, and research. Just less than 10 years ago, a group of scientists mapped the human genome. What does that mean? No cooking clue. But it's an amazing thing. And it's got to do with DNA and, and all sorts of things, but the specifics I'm, I'm unsure about. But there have been so many medical advances based on that, on that one thing. We can see it with, with the vaccine. How, how, no matter what side of the fence you, you, you sit on, um, you can applaud the, the speed at which scientists and, and, and doctors came together to, to bring a vaccine into the world so soon after the pandemic. On the other end of the spectrum, we've seen people awaken to environmental issues and take action. There's a man in, in India who, over a period of 30 years, planted a five-square-kilometer bamboo forest single-handedly on a sandbar in his hometown after seeing the effects um, on animals of not having shade and, and shelter. As humans, we carry within ourselves an incredible potential, and more so when we come together. Sonica shared um, two weeks ago uh, when she preached about the story of Babel. The people were so un unified and united in their efforts to, to build a tower that stretched to the heavens. Sadly, it was for their own glorification, so God had to come down and basically pull them apart and spread them and scatter them throughout the earth. And he said, these people are so unified that they can achieve anything. And he had to stop them. So how do we begin to achieve this kind of potential as a body? It's the concept that Paul was outlining in his letter to the Corinthians, when every member finds his or her place, when we begin to value one another and our contributions, when we begin to operate in our, in our roles and become confident and comfortable and truly begin to optimize and be, and be optimal in our, in our roles within the body, that's when the beauty of the body truly comes to fruition. But how do we even get to this place? I think the answer is human, is hidden in the human body, in the DNA. There is no part of the body that becomes what it is without first receiving a message, without first receiving instruction about what it is, what it should be doing, where it should be situated, how it fits in to the whole system. DNA coding contains vital information about what, what each cell should develop into. First there's an instruction, then an action, and a realization of that instruction. All creation starts with a spark, an idea, an input. We cannot become as creations what we were destined to be if we don't receive the word, the idea, the instruction from the Creator. And that happens in many ways. God can speak to us out of the clouds in an audible voice. It's rare, but it happens. As you could be a product of, of seemingly unrelated events where the stars align and the, and the universe conspires to send you a message. You call it the universe. We call it the Holy Spirit. But the most common way that you're going to hear from God is through His Word. 
coming through the person next to you. A good example of this is the great apostle Paul. He didn't become who he was destined to be until he had an encounter with God and received an instruction from the Lord. He was on the road to Damascus and and he encountered a bright light and a rebuke from Jesus himself who sent him to a nearby town to meet a man named Ananias. And the scripture scripture goes like this in, in Acts 22. He came and stood beside me and said, Brother Saul, regain your sight. And that very moment I could see him. And he told me, The God of our ancestors has chosen you to know his will and to see the righteous one and hear him speak. For you are to be his witness, telling everyone what you have seen and heard. Notice how Paul was released into his identity at the instruction of the Lord, but it came through a man. Jesus could have told him right there. He spoke to him. He could have told him right there on the road, but he chose to use a person to deliver his message. And I believe he does that with so many of us here. What if the next great apostle, prophet, teacher, evangelist, pastor is sitting right next to you? Or in the row behind you, or three rows back and four chairs to the left? And what if you have the word inside you to release that person into that place? We need to foster a healthy culture in this church where the saints are sought after, they're recognized, they're called higher, and truly released into what they're meant to be. So I've got four steps for us on to nurturing a healthy body. Number one, we have to look for it. God's word says that he has given to this one a gift, to the other another gift. If you are a hand, expect to find a foot here. If you're an arm, expect to find a spleen, a liver, a kidney, a heart. There are parts of the body here. We as one body, God has said that he has placed each member in its place. So we should expect to come and to see them. Question, can you do that if you're not here? No. We need to start buying in to the fact that this body needs us both to be here and also to be able to see what's happening and to be able to call this body into something functional. So I want to ask you to commit to coming week on week on a Sunday service. Yes, we can't always make it all the time, but make the commitment to come every Sunday to be here, to bring your gift and to start to look around at what you see. Do it in life group. Say, I'm here, I'm coming, I'm going to show up. I'm going to be there as often as I possibly can. And I'm going to look and I'm going to see what does this body need? Who is here? What roles are we playing? Number two, when you see it, say it. We need to start honoring and valuing each member in this place. When you see something in someone or you see them do something that you appreciate, tell them. If someone comes up and they and they sing a song or, or, or bring a word and it, and it touches you or speaks to you, go to that person afterwards and say, wow, you know, God really spoke to me through, through what you did, through what you said. 
if if someone responds on an altar call and they come up and you know that that their life has been in a, in a bad place and and you see a boldness and you see the, them humbling themselves to come forward and say, Lord, I need you. Go to them afterwards and say, man, I recognize what you're doing. And I see that God is moving your life. I'm, I'm encouraged and I want to encourage you to carry on. Maybe someone greeted you. They said hello one Sunday. Six months down the line, you're still here and you're growing and you're flourishing. And what happened that one day, their wave just disarmed you and God was able to move. Go and tell them that. All of us need that kind of encouragement. If you recognize life change in someone, go and honor it. And I see that God is really moving in your life, and I can see that you're, you're changing. Keep going at it. If someone came and, and, and prayed for you while, you while you responded and it really impacted your life, tell them. Go and tell them. I, I actually had a guy um, just this month, a couple of weeks ago, He's been in church for about two years now, and I prayed for him one morning. It was in a season when we were sort of, I was really like pursuing God and trying to, trying to hear his voice for other people. And um, I ended up saying to him, I see, is there something like happening with your father? Or how's your relationship with your dad? Is everything okay? And he was like, yeah, no, 100%. It's cool. We have a great relationship. So I said, okay, cool. Bless you, and off you go. Two years later, about, about a couple of weeks ago, a month ago, he came and he said to me, like, that was a catalyst for him starting to actually really evaluate his relationship with his dad. And in the process, these last two years, things had happened in his life and in his dad's life, and he was able to, to speak directly into him, and the re- relationship was really restored and in a better place than it's ever been. I'm not saying that came from, from my one word, but share with people. Just tell them, man, something happened there. Something happened when you pray. We all need encouragement. Okay, you think the people who come and minister, they, this, is, this is their thing. We also just need to know, hey, actually we do hear from God every now and again. That's encouraging. If someone preaches a sermon, that's awesome. You know, go and tell them. Uh, these are practical points. We should always do them on the day before they get cold. Uh, um, I consider my journey as a Christian in, in this church to be a product of encouragement. You know, I'm going to say something that, that might be a little controversial, but Jesus may have saved me, but it's his people. It's because of his people the reason I'm still saved today and in the place where I'm operating the capacity that I am. Because of the encouragement of people. And yes, Jesus is working through them, but it's the people the reason that I'm still here and still where, and where I am. And, you know, early on, Andre, Andre actually was the one who, who saw things in me and he started to, to encourage me in them and he started to speak. We, um, in the beginning, when, when we had just sort of moved into this venue, I think we had this uh, life group party thing. It was an around the world thing where we brought different dishes and, and had a lot of fun. And I pulled out some like Chinese, crazy Chinese character. Um, and, and he just saw me kind of in this place and said, who is this guy? I had up until that point been operating like way under the radar, uh, not because I knew I had the potential to be on the radar, um, but I just come out of a season of, of really being deep in the world you know, and, and pursuing sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Um, I didn't get many of those right, but uh, <laughs> which is good. Thank you, Lord. Um, but I, I just if effectively been neutered by the world, you know, and I came in just not, not knowing who I am and being completely ineffective. 
And just through a series of, of, of these things, I was, I was handed the mic to do announcements for the first time. And um, I mean, I now find myself preaching. And it's just, it's amazing to see how, how God has, has moved me through this journey. And I remember at, um, at Life Group, uh, we joined Dion and Quibber's Life Group, like right in the beginning. And I didn't say a word. I was like a mute. I would come in and say hello. And then I would just sit there on the couch. I wouldn't participate in a single thing. Questions, people would be contributing. Questions would be asked. You weren't getting anything out of me. And don't ask me to pray in front of eight people. Not happening. I mean, Dion is Dion's like a quiet, quite a quiet guy himself. I, I probably made him look like Oprah Winfrey on those nights. You know? You know, I'm not, and I'm not, I'm not detailing and, and, and rattling off my, my CV for you so that you can be impressed. Um, I want you to understand that there is potential in each and every one of us. And your journey is not going to look the same as mine. But you have something to contribute to this body. You have a place in this house. And I want you to find that place. And I want you to help each other find that place through encouragement. Okay, number three. When you don't see it, speak it. Okay, what am I talking about? Talking about prophecy. You know, my journey has, has come, yes, with encouragement, but the word of God has been there the whole time. It's all very well for, for a friend to say, oh man, you did so well. Yeah, thanks, man. You have to say that you're my friend. But when the word of God comes alongside it and says, hey, but I see this, I see this happening and, and it, in a month's time or in a year's time, you won't recognize yourself. And this is where you're going to be. And this is what you have to contribute. And this is what I want you to do. This is where I want you to be. When the word of God comes alongside that encouragement, there's just a multiplication of what goes on. There's a, are there any rock climbers in the house? Anybody who's ever even climbed on a rock once? Awesome. There we, oh, quite a few. Sure, more than the first service. Okay. Um, You'll know that when you are in a position kind of locked with your hands and feet, and you know you need to go up, but there's nothing, there's just nothing in front of you. If you lift your foot, just say two or three inches, just up to a new hold, and you stand on that, all of a sudden there is a whole new world of handholds for you to continue up. And that's what the Word of God is like. That's what a prophetic word is like. It's like a realignment. Of everything of your body, all of a sudden you're in a completely different place and the, and the world is your oyster as such. And you can only go one way and that's up. But we've got to step out. We've got to step up to step out. When we don't see all that we expect to see in the body, we need to start speaking it. We need to start looking and saying, but God, you said, you said there'd be apostles and prophets and evangelists in this place. Teachers and pastors, where are they? I don't see them. I see a head and I see a heart, but I don't see a foot. Where, where is it? And trust God that he's going to say, it's there. It's there. It's in this person. Go and call it out. I'm waiting for you to go call it out. But we need to, we need to develop a, a love for the body. And, and a knowing that this is, this is the vehicle that God has created. Andre says that the church is God's plan A and there's no plan B. This is it. It's here. We need to create a functional body. Okay, and then step four 
is repeat steps one to three. But I'm going to give you some, some practical advice. I want you right now, or it might take a while just to think about it, but I want you to think of three people. First one, a friend. Okay, we can become quite familiar with our friends and, 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 and we think they're awesome and maybe they don't need a lot of encouragement um, or, or we don't necessarily, we're not going to call things out in them because we, we know them. But I want to encourage you, find a friend, someone very close to you. I have like awesome friends like Stephen Montgomery and, and Dion and, and, and these kinds of people and you would think like, you know, Stephen comes and sort of sings, uh, sings in stay, uh, front here and he's confident and he doesn't need the encouragement, but I need to go to him and say, wow, man, that, you know, that really blessed me. Or I see so much. There's so much more for you. No matter how confident or comfortable you think somebody is, we all need the encouragement. Okay. Nobody is even, even on the stage. Nobody is born on the stage. We all make mistakes. We all do things. Nobody's born with a, with a microphone in their hand. We all need to be encouraged in everything that we do for us to truly feel confident. And find our place. Okay, so one person, a friend. Second person, something you, someone you already see something in. You can see someone stepping into a certain role. They're really beginning to find their place. Okay, hone in on that person too. Encourage them. I'm talking sending a WhatsApp weekly. Go to them and just say, wow, man, what you did there was really awesome. I can see you changing. Keep at it. Encourage them. Start to pray for them. Say, God, what, what more is there? What's the next step? What should they be doing? Let's truly come alongside one another in order to release each other into, into what we're supposed to be. Okay? Third person, someone you see nothing in yet. Pick someone. Pick someone who you don't see a lot of potential in with your natural eyes. And ask God, Lord, this person is a member of this body, which means they have a place which means they have a contribution, which means that they have a gift for me and for us. What is it? Father, I want to release it. Help me. What does that person carry? And then you go and you say, man, look, I don't know you. This is what I believe. This is what I believe the Lord's saying. Okay, can we do that? Three people, friend, someone you see something happening in, someone you see nothing happening in yet. Okay, let's begin to encourage. I think when it comes to, to unity, there's a, it's a simple enough question to answer what do we unify around? We, we unify around Jesus. We're Christians. We've been saved. We, we think about the world a little differently. And I think the harder question to answer is why? Why unify? To what end? And it's a simple answer because the church was called to have influence. To be a city on a hill. What good is this optimally functional body if we're just going to lie in a heap on the floor? Jesus wants his church to be a lamp on a stand. A city on a hill bringing light into the darkness. And salt bringing flavor to this world. An author, Alan Scott, writes in his book, Scattered Servants. The church you see is not peripheral to the culture. It's essential for the culture. You are a city on a hill. You are the light of the world, raised up in the city. Raised, raised up in the city, raised up for the city. The city doesn't make sense without the church. And the church doesn't make sense without the city. 
we are made visible to show forth a model of cultural renewal. The local church should be influential. What good are we if we gather regularly and have moments of encounter and we only build up this community? If there's no influence and no one is inspired or challenged or offended or uncomfortable, we may have just created a club for our members. The great commission of Jesus is to go out and make disciples of all nations, not to find a few and stop there. We carry something way more than a club. We have the Holy Spirit. And it should be vibrant and and infectious. The neighborhood should be talking about church. And not just because we have better coffee, and we do, but because we're making a difference to the very community that that we're here to serve. You know, there's stories of cities all over the world that when revival breaks out in a church, it spills outside of the doors. And all of a sudden, violent crimes and petty crimes and, and poverty, homelessness, joblessness, joblessness, too many sisters there for a while. All that stuff just begins to rapidly decline, up to 80, 90%. I want, I want us to dream together about a community that is affected by this church, by this body. Andre shared some words about uh, uh, two prophetic words coming from different people that saying revival is going to break out here in East London. Amen. Let's partner with that. But to, to, to be that, we need to get this right. We need to get this body functional and efficient. Thank you for listening. Remember that our sermon audio and videos are also available on Shofar TV. Go to www.shofaronline.tv to download and share.